Lord God, we ask that we would hear your voice today. That you would give us grace as we look at these words of Jesus. That we would hear. That we would heed. That we would follow you more nearly. In Jesus' name. Amen. Whenever we meet together Sunday by Sunday, uh, we work our way through books of the Bible passage by passage. And there are some good reasons why we do it this way. It helps us to get at the big idea of the book and to see how the story develops week by week and to see what the writer wants to teach us. It means that we're not flitting here and there through the whole of the Bible but that we work through it sequentially. It also means that the preacher isn't sitting around waiting for inspiration on what text to preach from each week which can take up a lot of sermon prep time for one-off special occasions. <coughs> but perhaps the best reason is that it means that we don't get to skip the hard or difficult or uncomfortable bits of the Bible. When you're reading through and when you're preaching through, then you have to deal with whatever is in front of you. And let me tell you, having started back into Luke's Gospel at the beginning of January, chapter 16 was always on the horizon. It certainly fits the bill of hard, difficult and uncomfortable. Last week, you might remember, we had the parable of the dishonest manager, which is hard enough to get your head around. But today's passage is even harder. We get to see what hell is like. Every so often you see one of those, um, I died and went to heaven and then I came back and here's my story at type TV programs or books. Well here... We're told what hell is like. Now even as I say that you might be tempted to switch off. To go to your happy place and just sit it out. Just wait for this next 15-20 minutes to be over. But hell isn't a scare tactic invented by hellfire and damnation preachers. These are the words of Jesus written down for us, recorded by Luke, inspired by the Holy Spirit for a purpose. And they follow on from last week with his warning to the Pharisees, that those Pharisees, those religious people who love money and ridicule Jesus, that you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. 
Jesus tells a story of two men with two different life situations and two different destinies. We're not told that this is a parable. Luke sometimes says, Jesus told a parable. We're not told this is a parable. It may well be that Jesus reporting on the lives of two men. One man, he has everything now. The other has nothing. There's the rich man in his palace. And the poor man who sits begging at his gate. The rich man was wealthy. He also thought of himself as religious. He dressed in all the latest designer fashions. He was dressed in purple. Which was the most expensive dye to get. And in fine linen. He, he had a feast every day. And as he was chauffeured in and out of the gates of his house, he saw Lazarus begging, but never did anything to help. Lazarus, the poor man is given a name, Lazarus uh, had a miserable existence. He is covered with sores. His hunger is made worse by the smells of the tasty food that was being served inside the gate. His only company were the dogs who came and licked his sores. Two entirely different lives, but verse 22 tells us that both lives came to an end. That Lazarus died and the rich man also died. But as the two funerals happen, there's a complete reversal of their condition. Lazarus is carried by the angels to Abraham's side. But the rich man, he finds himself in Hades. Hades, uh, or uh, it may be translated hell, is the realm of the dead in Greek thinking and here we see that it's a place of torment for those who have rejected God what makes it even worse for the man is that he can see afar off the poor beggar who's sitting beside Abraham in comfort and in rest in paradise the rich man he Cries out to Abraham asking that he send Lazarus with even a drop of cooling water on the tip of his finger for his tongue. Isn't it ironic that the man who had everything he ever needed and more besides and ignored the needs of one who lived right in front of his gate is now the one who is in desperate need himself. The rich man had always been the one who called the shots, whether in business or in family, and even now he seeks to control others, trying to boss Lazarus around. But Abraham says that it is futile, that the judgment is just, that the punishment is is final 
that there are no transfers from heaven to hell or from hell to heaven after death. A chasm, a great chasm is fixed like the, um, the, the Grand Canyon. You can't get across. It's a bit like at the transfer window in football these days. Any players moving from one club to the next have to be signed by 11pm tomorrow night. After that they're stuck for the rest of the season. But as well as there being no transfers, Abraham says that the judgment is just. That he has already received his good things. He had heaven on earth. And he squandered it. Look at verse 25. You in your lifetime received your good things. And Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here. And you are in anguish. Now it would be easy for some to read that as an isolated statement and to conclude that rich people go to hell and poor people go to heaven. But it's not quite as simple as that. You see, we have to read this in its context. This story is told by Jesus against the Pharisees as a warning because they were both religious and they were rich and actually they loved money, not God. This rich man was clearly clearly religious. He knew Abraham. He even called him father. He was descended from him. He knows the truth. But he didn't live it out. But more than that, when he asks Abraham to send Lazarus to warn his five brothers about the wrath to come, Abraham refuses. Because his brothers have all they need to avoid where he is. They have Moses and the prophets. That is to say they have the Old Testament scriptures. By shutting this off as a possible excuse for ending up in hell. Abraham exposes the folly of the rich man as well. Condemning him also for failing to listen to God's word to Moses and the prophets. The rich man is not in hell because he is rich. It is because he selfishly used his riches for himself while ignoring the needs of those around him. The prime example being poor Lazarus who sat at his gate. And in the same way, Lazarus does not end up in paradise because he is poor. It's because He trusted in God even through his terrible circumstances. I wonder did you notice as Dave read the passage earlier. That the rich man isn't named. We're not told his name. But Lazarus is. Now what's the significance of that? Well Lazarus means God has helped Despite his poverty, God has helped him and Lazarus responds in faith. 
Now, as the rich man makes clear in his final plea, hell is a place that can be avoided through repentance, by turning away from the life of sin and greed, and by turning towards God. But he seeks it for his brothers through a supernatural sign, rather than through them reading God's word and repenting. He wants Abraham to send Lazarus to them to call them to repent. But look at what Abraham says in the last verse. If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone should rise from the dead. (coughs) You see, not long after Jesus told this story, another man called Lazarus, would rise from the dead, as we're told in John 11. Did the Pharisees believe then? Well, no. They tried to kill Jesus and also to kill Lazarus. Maybe over Christmas you read a Christmas carol, or maybe you saw a version of it on TV. And it might be a good story with Ebenezer Scrooge changed by the appearance of the ghost of Jacob Marley and the ghosts of Christmas past, present and future. But Abraham and Jesus say that signs aren't enough to make anyone believe. It's hearing God's word. It's responding in faith like Lazarus. This isn't an easy passage of scripture to read or to listen or to preach. But Jesus gives us a clear warning of what lies ahead. Heaven or hell. Two permanent final (coughs) options. A selfish love of money, your good things now. The closest you'll ever get to heaven and a lost eternity in hell. Or patient endurance. Trusting in God for salvation. And an eternity in God's paradise. Let this Be your only experience of hell as you hear it from the lips of Jesus in this solemn morning. You see, Jesus endured the shame. He bore the punishment. He underwent the pain of hell so that you won't have to. His mercy is great. His promise is true. And his salvation is real for all who will trust in him. Oh, that we would know that we are safe in the arms of Jesus. That we are eternally safe.
May that be your assurance today as you trust in Christ. As you're assured of being with him in heaven. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to you in response to what we've heard, we pray that you would help us to heed what Jesus says. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his teaching. We thank you for his great salvation. Lord, we ask that you would gather us in. That we would be found trusting in Christ. And so receive your eternal reward. We pray this in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.